Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist, speaker, and author based in West Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to our podcast, which I named It's Not About the Sex, also the title of my recent book. Here we focus on all topics related to compulsive sexual behavior, often referred to as sex addiction. In particular, we explore ways to build long-term sustainable recovery while establishing more meaningful connection and greater intimacy. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints, brand new perspectives, and practical user-friendly tools toward living a more deeply connected life. Let's get started. Welcome, Sue. Hey, Andrew. Hey, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah. Good to be here. How are you doing? I'm awesome. You had a good vacation? I had such a great vacation. It was exactly what I needed, which was doing absolutely nothing for wow. a week. I can't even imagine. I really can't. I think I need that. I have never, ever, ever really experienced that. Well, you know, we were up in the San Juan Islands, which is off of Seattle, actually. And they have ferries that take you between the islands. And Orcas Island is, is one of the more interesting islands, in my opinion. It's kind of progressive and liberal and, and doesn't have much nightlife at all, mm-hmm. which is exactly what I like. I think there's less than 5,000 people that live there year-round. Oh, okay. But then, of course, there's people like me who show up for a week at a time. And so it, it expands the the whole yeah. e- experience of the island. Neat. But the thing about doing nothing is that it's really a practice. It's not something that I was very good at doing one time right? Yeah. in the past. But nowadays, I, I really revel in it. I look forward to it because maybe 50 weeks out of the year <laughs> or 48 weeks out of the year, I'm, I'm, I'm going, going, going. So if I have a week of sleeping... And yeah, I mean, your nothing isn't just nothing, though, right? You're doing things, right? I mean, it's not like you're just a vegetative state. No, it's not exactly a hibernation, but but it's really about hanging out and enjoying nature. And we went out on the lake, and I, I took one of these little paddle boats, which was fun. I felt a little old because there was people who were on who were doing paddle boarding, but mm, I just didn't feel like it yeah, was something I was up paddle. to. Exactly. Yeah. So I did the paddle boat and and like the round pedal thing <laughs> with the <laughs> oh cool and they make you wear a, a, a vest. life jacket yeah. <laughs> just in case. But you need someone to go with on that, right? Because otherwise you'd be just going in circles. This is true. Yeah. That's right. So it was a collaborative okay, effort. Okay. But but the thing about slowing down, and doing nothing, and it's funny we're. we're just kind of rambling with this right right now but it's part of recovery isn't it it's it's an opportunity to really be with myself right to listen to my rhythm and hopefully to be okay with that to just hang out and enjoy the the, the, the slowing down and and knowing that that's a safe place to be. I think a lot of folks have trouble slowing down because it feels like the mind gets too quick or, or it, it becomes just too, 
too uncomfortable, too yeah. agitating. Yeah, it's better to be preoccupied with other thoughts and right. and purpose and, you know, doing this and going from point A to point B and da-da-da-da-da instead of, hey, how are you doing in there? <laughs> like, what's going on? It's like, that's scary. That's yeah. really scary. Yeah, it, it's definitely a practice. And just to segue into our topic today, what I wanted to talk about with you is something that got triggered by a colleague of mine the other day. We were sitting at lunch and he mentioned to me that about seven years ago, he stopped sexually acting out. That what happened was he had been kind of a, a person who felt compulsive sex was just part of his life for a long, long time, for many, many years. And he felt that he was finished. He, he reached a point where he just said, no more, enough wow. of this, I want to stop. And so sure enough, he said, I'm going to take a period of time where I was going to abstain from any sexual behavior at all, including masturbation. And that was his way of detoxing in a way, right? It's kind of like going to yeah, rehab. Sure. It's kind of like when someone tells us to do something, but he knew internally that it was time to, to make a shift. And through that period, he, he started to go to some online meetings. There are these meetings oh. online that he felt were helpful and relevant for what he was going through and it helped him feel less alone mm -hmm. i don't think they were actually 12-step oriented but they were something that really helped him feel like he, he was in a community of people right. that were healing where we hear that connection is so important i think that's been talked about so many times on our podcast here right i mean connection is is vital i mean all of us as many people say all of us are biologically wired for connection and because what we mean by that is that it's not only essential it's it's one of those things that is part of the, the life force and that connection allows us to really feel like we're human and and part of life so today's topic is called is 12 step the only way what do you think of that topic, Sue? Yeah, I mean, I've thought about this a lot. I work um, with people in recovery. Um, and the program that I work with, it's mandated that they they do the 12-step. And it's I understand the pushback. Like, I, I hear some of them not really wanting to do that. And it takes them a while to get situated into a program that works right for them. But I, I, I question it. It's like, would it be right for me? Like, w the the part I hear a lot of people don't like about it is because it's affiliated with religion. So how do you feel about that piece of it? You know, it's such an interesting question because that's something that so many people ask me. Many, many clients will talk about the religious aspects of the 12-step community. And... In actuality, it's not a religious program, but it is a spiritual program. And how I distinguish the two is that religion is more about 
the structure and the, the community, place, the community yeah. And, yeah. and the place of worship right. oftentimes in, in various de- denominations. And that works, of course, for a lot of people. But if someone has had a negative experience with religion, maybe even a religious trauma of sorts, that they're going to sure. reject that. Yeah. It's not going to work for them. My definition of spirituality is very simple. Spirituality is whatever gives your life meaning. Okay, I'll say that again. Spirituality is whatever gives your life meaning. And so when I'm working with a client or I'm working with a sponsee, I really want to know what it is that gives their life meaning. What, what, what is a reason for them to wake up in the morning? That could be a spouse. That could be children. It could be somebody's career. Or it could be things like contribution, like some people will say that if they're contributing to their community, that that's what gives their life meaning. For me, it has to do with relationships. I've, I've boiled this down and whittled this down several times to realize what gives my life meaning, what has always given my life meaning, is the love around me. And hopefully the love inside of me. But I, I tend to see... Uh, myself as a heat-seeking missile, Mm -hmm. and I tend to gravitate towards people who can be there with me on this crazy journey of ours and can can really bring something that is just something that, that I don't have in myself. And I guess that comes back to community and feeling a part of, and, and Brene Brown would call it true belonging. So something outside of yourself that gives you purpose like gets you out of bed like gets you excited each day yeah and and if we want to talk about what's going on inside we're also talking about core values right so yeah right so core values are things like contribution and community and career and it's a lot of c's right there (laughs) and they all tend to contribute in different ways to how we feel about ourselves and what gives our lives purpose really mm-hmm. interesting so went back to the 12 step um that answers the question the the religion or the god piece and um some other people have suggested to change the word god to be purpose or like you said you know that um, or also I've heard like change it to universe or energy or, you know, just, just put it up there. So the first step I would assume is just admitting that you have an issue. I don't know all the 12 steps, so I'm not sure, but I do hear a lot of times people are working the steps and is that, I don't know enough about it, but do they go in order? Do you work them in order? Is there like a, is that a system that's in place that people like to have like checklist you know sure well one thing that the steps have taught those of us who participate in 12 step like myself is that there is a a method to the madness there is a sequence one through 12 Mm -hmm. and back in the 40s when the 12 steps were developed it was a different time and place right? right and so i always say that that really take what you like and leave the rest. Mm -hmm. 
which is a slogan from 12-step. Oh, okay. And so there is no dogma really in 12-step. Or if you hear dogma, like people saying that this is the only way to do it, I would go away from those people because that's just not accurate. That's not true, right? It isn't. But the steps are, are sequential. And without going into all of them, they're, they're really about first having a spiritual base, then looking at your side of the street, like resentments, and um, they call them character defects, which isn't my favorite term, mm. but things that don't feel so good inside. And then amends, which is how do I want to live my life better? How do I want to um, not apologize per se, but how, how do I take responsibility for what I've done and, and let people know who I may have harmed that I feel I've harmed them. So that's step eight and nine. And then the last couple of steps are really about practicing the other steps and continuing to take inventory and just being mindful of what it's like to be in recovery and then to give back what we were given. So the principles of 12 steps actually don't have to be something that somebody participates in in a 12-step fellowship. Mm -hmm. I think that's the purpose of our talk today right, of, yeah. of our conversation yeah there's a lot of different ways and a lot of i don't like the expression but a lot of ways to skin the cat sure yeah <laughs> although i'm more <laughs> a dog yeah i'm more a dog lover anyway um Jeez. but that the, there's so many possibilities right. and as much as we know we really don't know and as far as healing and recovery and moving forward with one's life there's so many different avenues and like my colleague my friend that i spoke with the other day he's found a different route that really has worked beautifully for him now did he mention anything about accountability because i'm kind of wondering if you go to the 12 step do you feel you're accountable to that group that you go with or if you're out on your own i guess you said he did stuff online but is there an accountability piece that you think is is helpful you know in 12-step, I think that's what sponsorship is all about. Oh, right, the sponsor. Yeah. yeah, that whole thing. You know, having somebody that you can check in with and that you can stay current with. I don't remember whether my friend specifically mentioned accountability per se, but I do know that he has ways of checking in possibly with his therapist or possibly with the online groups that he's been a part of or or possibly with me, just by being so honest and open and letting me be a part of his healing community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would think that would be a big part because I think taking responsibility is, is huge and um, being honest and open, it's not the easiest thing to do. And I, I see in our society a lot of times people don't take responsibility. They're, they're off on their own and blaming, 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 um, instead of actually saying, wait a minute. But I can see how the 12-step would be helpful, but I can also see how sometimes it might not be the best situation to be in a room with a group of people that are the exact same as you. And I would feel myself that I would be competitive with that, you know, and competitive in what way in which way yeah like just i either have it worse than them or maybe they're they how did they get through this easier than me you know instead of looking at myself when you're in a group of people doing the same thing 
comparing yourself and, and trying to figure that whole piece out instead of just healing yourself. So I can see how that might not be the best situation for some people that, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I think part of comparison is looking at why am I doing that? Going back to um, a recent podcast that you and I did on shame, often comparison is part of shame. So so when we have something going on in, in ourselves that we're not proud of or that we feel pretty awful about, oftentimes we're looking around measuring ourselves with others. And that's not really helpful, is it? No. Yeah, that's bad. Because you don't know what other people are doing. You can't be in their heads. You're only in your head. And, you know, you have that voice in there saying, oh, they look better than you. They're more beautiful than you. They're, you know, they got their shit together. And they could be saying the same thing about you. you Absolutely. And, and, and judgment is part of being human, right? We, we're always judging our environment to see if it's safe or threatening or if we're different or if we're the same. That That's actually a, a way to survive. It's not a, a problematic thing. But how that judgment gets played out and how it separates us from others is where it can be problematic. So there was a, um, well, there is a, a very famous addiction specialist named Pia Melody, Pia uh, worked at the Meadows for many, many years. She's fantastic um, family expert, um, codependency expert, love addiction expert, mm-hmm. relational trauma expert. She's written several books. Anyway, the reason I mentioned Pia is when I went to her training many years ago, she talked about either being one up or one down and how most of us live in that way, that mm-hmm. we're one up or one down. But how can we find that place of being a part of the world, a part of, of being in a... Balanced, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Ba- it balanced and where we're all in the same boat, right? Right, right. We're not... An understanding of others. Understanding of others, for sure. Understanding of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Feeling humility and knowing that... When we're one up or one down, we're actually protecting ourselves, but but we're also separating ourselves. And so how do we get... the yin and the yang. It is. the flow. It's going up and down. And I always go back to the whole... I don't always, but the whole mindfulness thing is big. and, and, And there is no such thing as being balanced. The whole part of it is... You're too much one way, let's swing a little the other way. Let's swing a little back the other way. You know, it's an ebb and a flow. There, it, The sea will never be completely flat. Mm-hmm. There's always a tide. It's always pulling one way or the other. And that's okay. When you try to push yourself to be one up or one down and want to stay there, that's off balance. That's not going to work. It's okay to allow yourself to put your toe in, in that puddle, but... You know, come back on the other side because you need to be on both sides of it in order to be whole. Mm, that's beautiful. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I love that. And and what, what it reminds me of is that when we can observe ourselves with curiosity, non-judgmentally, and just notice, oh, what's that what's that like to be going with the waves, riding the waves? Yeah. That's 
that's a very sophisticated place to be. And I think in longer term recovery, sustainable sobriety, as we sometimes call it, that's something that becomes very empowering to be able to do that. So do you sometimes think that it's it's okay to have setbacks and, and to fail in order to like take one step back propels you three steps forward? You know what I mean? It's like, is, is taking a step back sometimes part of the whole recovery in order? You can't go forward until you take a step back. So glad you asked that question. It's actually the final chapter of my book. Oh. The, the name of the chapter, if I'm remembering correctly, is it, it's not about the mistakes. And the idea is that we all make mistakes, of course, right? And again, as a recovering perfectionist, I believe strongly that part of the healing is knowing that not only am I going to make mistakes, but they're an opportunity to learn about myself. And if I'm really open-hearted to the possibility that it can be something that can really allow me to, to deepen in who I am, then I'm on the right path. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that um, a lot. You know, allow yourself that. Just go and allow it and learn from it. It's not always easy. It can be painful, but, but there's a lesson there. There are hopefully will be a lesson that can be internalized, right? Relapse is part of addiction. And hopefully it doesn't have to be the kind of relapse that causes severe consequences. Yeah. But it, it's understandable that people, especially in sexual recovery, right? Recovery from sex addiction, it's, it's not like alcohol where you just put your plug in the jug right it's it's different and so what what often happens is when somebody relapses or sometimes has a slip which is like a, a small version of a relapse mm -hmm. they go into shame i've been there myself and the shame actually perpetuates a feeling of more shame mm -hmm. and a feeling of separateness and feeling like I just can't go back, so why don't I just act out some more? And that's a very dangerous place to go because I've had friends in program get into a relapse mode and, and not come back for six months to a year wow. or not come back at all. Mm -hmm. And I've been fortunate that I, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm like a heat-seeking missile. Right. And so I tend to, to come back to those who I feel are well, basically I, I go where the love is right. and that's helped me find a way to know that I'm, I'm not totally defective and, sh and shameful over a behavior mm -hmm. that I can learn from it and I can move on. There, there's a funny um, image that um, someone shared with me once that I, I love, which is this, if, if you're, driving from New York to Los Angeles and you have a flat tire in Chicago, it doesn't mean you have to go back to New York. It just means you have to fix the flat and keep going. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Or stay in Chicago. <laughs> it's a beautiful city, except for a <laughs> couple months winter. of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe not so much. <laughs> 
Well, that's great. I'm glad that your friend opened up and shared with you and, and feels that he has that connection with you because like we've said many times, that's important in, in the healing process. Absolutely. And as always, I think that kind of connection that I felt with him over lunch the other day was so inspiring and opened my mind to how many avenues there are to healing from sex addiction. And if anybody ever says to you, this is the way to do it, I would question them. There's many options. Many, many options. Do what feels right for you and stick up for yourself and know what that is. That's right. And at the same time, to gather wisdom from those who you trust, right? Whether it be a therapist or a friend or a pastor or whoever it might be that you really feel has a broader perspective that might be difficult for you to gather at that particular time. That's great. So I think we have reached the end of this particular podcast. And once again, I I thank you, Sue, for being such a fantastic conversationalist and podcast buddy. Yeah, anytime. I really enjoy it. And I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks. You too, Andrew. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.